where I'm taking you uh, today is, is going to be various places, um, so I'm not... Hopefully it's not uh, sacrilege not to start out with verses, uh, but th- there's something that's happening among us that's happening for the first time. Um, we are going to get to our two main passages, but I just I, I want to get there. But um, I, as, I, as I prepared for today, I was kind of moved with emotion uh, because uh, my mind went back to January of 2012. Sue and I were walking into the New Beginnings restaurant. You haven't been there. you got to go to New Beginnings because it is the community restaurant. And we were walking in, and a pastor was walking out of it. And he looked at Sue and I, and he said, Why aren't you guys planting a church? You're the face that this community knows. And that began us on a journey. uh, Because at that point in time, we did not have a permanent church home. We were kind of, I was preaching at different churches, filling pulpits, and so it was just a moment in time, and God began to build on that, um, and uh, 12, almost 12 years later now, um, the Lord, um, uh, the Lord has put a church family together that we call home, and you all are home to us. We have got the privilege and honor to see God moving among us. And doing his work. And so I'll never forget some words that was spoken by a, uh, a lady some years later. She said, you know, I always wondered what it was like to be amongst a family of God, a big family, eating at a table and doing all that. I watched it happen year after year, but I never was a part of it. But today, because of uh, you all, I get to experience a family. And that is what we are. We're family. Amen? We're a family. We're not building some organization. Uh, we're, this is a family of God here. And whether you're here for a first time or whether you've been here for a long time, you are part of the family of God. And so I'm going on something that's called a sabbatical starting next Sunday. A sabbatical is a planned time that allows a leader... Um, And in this instance, leaders, the opportunity to step away from their usual ministry responsibility and for a specific purpose and a specific period of time, it is a time of rest. It's not a leave of absence. It's not a vacation. It is carefully planned, listen, for both the church and the pastor. And so you all will be going through a sabbatical with me. So I want to join you on that. I want you to join me on that journey. Um, um, Josiah Michelson, uh, one of our core team leaders, is going to be leading you. And he, there are four men that God called to lead you in the Word. And so uh, your first week in September, uh, after next week, will be um, a guy by the name of Brett Burgess. And he is a pastor I've been praying with for almost a year. And uh, no, excuse me, I'm wrong. Uh, that's the second week. Uh, the first week is um, Kurt Beacons, and he's a missionary. And so he will be speaking on the 3rd. On the 10th will be Brett. And then on the uh, 17th, Josiah himself will be leading you. And then at the end of the, the time, on the 24th, um, um, Ryan, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that name, um, it means I'm a worship leader at the pier, um, now, that's not really the meaning of it. Um, but Ryan Fay, um, Fon, not Vey, 
Fon is a, uh, is a youth director uh, and a pastor, and he will be leading us the fourth week. So I totally just batched that one up. No, it's not Ryan. Ryan's, not, yeah, Ryan's going, I'm not preaching that week. I'm not preaching that week. And so anyways, and so these four guys have been called. Now, there are, there are three kinds of sabbaticals. One is rest and recovery. That's what we'll be on. The other one is an issue-based sabbatical, which is um, dealing with unhealthy uh, situation in a pastor's life, and he needs time of healing. The third is advanced study sabbatical, um, which is a time for a pastor to get more academic training and spending time with the Lord. Uh, Usually they're three months. Ours will be a month. Um, The core team said this out loud, which I thought was cool. It said that the sabbatical really is more for Sue than you. And that is true. My wife is a sparky introvert. I mean, she loves to be among the family, but she gets her energy alone with her Lord. And I am totally an extrovert. And so I get my energy from you. I don't know if you know that or not, but I, when I come in here sometimes, I, I am tired, but you give me energy. And so by the Spirit of God. So anyways, we will be um, seeking a time of restoration, strength, and direction for the years ahead. The idea of the sabbatical came from Jesus Christ himself to his disciples after feeding the 5,000. It says that in Mark uh, 6.31, then um, uh, there were so many people were coming and going that the disciples did not have a chance to eat. And so Jesus said to them after it was done, he said, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. And so the word sabbatical is associated with um, two words that are, um, might be familiar to you, might not be. They're from uh, the Old Testament. It's called Sabbath rest. And, uh, and so let, let me read to you from Exodus 35. And if you would like to look up these passages afterwards, you can. Or you can go with me, but I'm going to do it kind of quickly. It says in uh, Exodus 35, uh, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Do not light a fire in or in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. And so, where did the word come from? Where did it come from? Uh, There are actually four um, connections of the Sabbath to the communal living of people. Let Let me tell you where it starts. First of all, in Genesis 2, in the time of creation, he said these words, uh, starting... um, in the second verse, it said this. Um, I'll, I'll start with verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his works. Then, the, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so the first name of the Sabbath is God's Sabbath. God's Sabbath. The original thought um, from God, so the thought originated from God. But the question that I have is, did God need rest? No. No. 
He did not need rest at all. But what he was doing was setting a precedent for all his creation. All his creation. Okay? So let's go on. Let's go to the second Sabbath, and that is man's Sabbath. Um, Deuteronomy 5, the uh, 12th through the 15th verse says these words. Listen to them. This, of course, is, comes from uh, the Ten Commandments. And so let's hear what God has to say, starting with the 12th verse. It says, Observe the Sabbath day and by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you are to labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, any of your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember, and this is important, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out, out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So, so man, the Sabbath was for man. And it's the seventh day and you are to do no work. Why? What's the big thing? It's to remind you that you were once enslaved and he has set you free from your Egypt. Now listen to me. The Sabbath has no meaning to you unless you can remember the slavery that you're in and the freedom that you received by the Spirit of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ to set you free. It has no meaning. You treat it like every other day. Every other day. Unless you can bring to mind how you were set free. Can you do that? It becomes the foundation to why you would do a Sabbath day. Ryan and I uh, talked, and this just come to mind, so no extra cost for this. But Ryan and I were talking about intimacy with God. And, and the importance of that. And, and honestly, Ryan and I have one unity in that. The fact that we cannot do this or this without our intimacy with the Lord. It is the intimacy with God that creates the atmosphere for this to come forward and to move our hearts and for this to come forward and move your hearts. Okay, do you get that? And that's what the Sabbath is about. He set me free! And so my dependence is on Him. I don't need to work every day because He's my provider. And he will provide what I need. And so, man's Sabbath. Man's Sabbath. So the first two, God's Sabbath, man's Sabbath. The third, get this, land Sabbath. What? Land Sabbath. Land Sabbath. Go with me uh, to uh, Deuteronomy 5. And, uh, and this is the third one, land Sabbath. And listen to this one. Uh, thank you. Um, it is um, 1 through 7. Wait a minute. I did say, I did say Deuteronomy 5. No, 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 no. Leviticus 25. Sorry about that. Levit thank you. Sorry. Leviticus 25. I'm going, uh, Andersma, you're wrong. You know that's okay, don't you? 
you know, you guys are way too anxious to say in that. <laughs> I've been wrong before, I'll be wrong again, but you know what? I'm never wrong about Jesus. Never, ever. All right, Leviticus 25, and we'll read the first 27, or seven verses, and Lord, you just keep moving us here. It says, the Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. Oh, huh, huh. For six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grain uh, or harvest the, uh, the grapes of your intended vine. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, for your male and female servants and the hired workers and temporary residents who live among you, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. Now, land, right? So no crops, crops are to be planted, no crops are to be harvested. Now this, this is the cool thing, and you know, so you and I never got to the passage of why when you tithe, you actually have more than when you don't tithe. But here it is, right here, right here. If you go forward, if you're in Leviticus, go forward uh, to the um, 20th verse of 25. This is so good. It says, you may ask... What will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year of that, uh, that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from your old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. God promises that if we're faithful, that he will produce the abundance. And his economy cannot be measured by things of this world. His economy is supernatural. And so if we're faithful, he will show himself faithful. And so the land Sabbath. Um, now, and this is where it gets interesting. I was just, I was thinking about this more and more. Um, and I want to take that one um, step further, if you'll go to uh, Deuteronomy 15 with me. Deuteronomy 15. Now, y'all gonna love this. How many of um, among us have a mortgage right now in their home? Raise your hand. Raise your. You got a mortgage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see it back there. You, you got some Ravenna or something like that? Is that where your mortgage is? <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Listen to this. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel your debts. After seven years, no more mortgages. Anybody say amen? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it on. Yes, yes. But, but this is in, in, in this, oh, it's a whole teaching, but, but it's so cool. Um, why is it? that they would have them cancel their debts. Can anybody tell me? 
Okay, that's a, that's a great, yeah, I mean, it's true. Go ahead. Yes, true. We don't possess the land. Wait a minute. Your property's not yours. It's the Lord's. No, listen to me. Us Americans get offended by this. That's my land. No, it is not. No, it is not. It's his. And that's why they did it. That's why they did it. This is not my land. So, so after seven years, all debt's paid. But, oh gosh, so much. And I don't have time for it all. Uh, okay, so God's Sabbath, man's Sabbath, land Sabbath. There's one more. Anybody name it? Nation's Sabbath. What? Yeah. Leviticus 25. Again, go back. Leviticus 25. Nation Sabbath. Huh. What's that all about? Starting with the eighth verse. Here it is. Count off seven Sabbath years. Okay, right? So we're now going back to the land and giving uh, rest to the land. Now count off seven years. Seven times seven. I'm not that smart. What number is that? 49. Ah, obviously much more brilliant crew here than me. 49 years. And on that year, um, it, which starts actually on the Day of Atonement, which is the 10th day of the 7th month, which is, guess, guess, guess what that day is? It's when I'm on my sabbatical. What has that got to do with this? It is the, it's the 7th month, which is uh, September to October. Okay. The Jewish, yeah, yeah, I, I read that one. Whoa, whoa, you timed this. You, I, no, Dwayne, stay focused. Um, yeah, um, so at that time, um, when, when any Jewish people lost their land because they had gone poor and they had lost their land because they couldn't afford it, and at that, in that 50th year, all the Jewish people got their land back their family land back. And also another thing happened, and that was, um, it was a, listen to me, now you guys will love this, it was a year of celebration. And so the whole nation shut down for 365 days and celebrated. And the Lord provided for them. Now listen to me, that is pretty cool. Don't you kind of wish we'd go back to this? I mean, wouldn't that be sweet to, uh, wouldn't some of you like to have a year off from work? But yes, so this 50th year was a year of celebration. But listen to this. So, so slavery was not like slavery today, like we have sex slaves where people are forced and stuff. Um, they, were, they were people who lost their money, and so they were really compassionately taken in by landowners so that they could survive. Because if a person went poor in that day, there was no, there was no money uh, by the government that they could live. None. And so they were compassionately taken. But every seven years, they would be set free um, on, the, uh, on the land um, Sabbath. But every 50th year, they would also be set free. If they, if they had just started being slaves, they were set free that. But this is where it's so cool. Because if some of them loved their um, owners, they would then um, say, I don't want to be set free from you. 
I will become what's called a bond slave. And so what they would do, um, how many ladies have earrings, uh, pierced ears? Raise your hand. Pierced ears, here it comes. Here's where it comes from. So what they would do is they would take an awl, a small sharp point, and they would puncture it through their ear and put a piece of metal in there to indicate that they are a bond slave to their master, a willing slave. That's why if you're a believer here today, you're a bond slave to Jesus Christ. The awl of the nail of the cross has pierced your, your heart, not your ear, but your heart, and you are saying, I am willing, right? I'm, I'm, I would rather be a slave in the house of God than own my own place. Amen? Amen. And so that is the, the nation, um, the nation sabbatical or Sabbath rest. Now, Jesus taught on this. Jesus taught on the Sabbath. When he said this, he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. What he meant by that was, in a world that had interpreted the Sabbath under abusive rules and regulations, he said, I am the only true interpreter of the Sabbath for you. Come to me, and I will share with you the importance of the Sabbath day to you. But he also said this, uh, that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Meaning Sabbath was never made to enslave us but to free us by growing us, right, Ryan, to a greater dependence, a greater intimacy, and to destroy, listen to me, to destroy anxiety and to destroy um, frustration of the life of this world. I, I don't know what you guys came in here today with. I don't know what struggles you're dealing with today, but this is a place and this is a day in which you can set it aside, give it to the Lord, and say, you can handle this. I'm going to learn, I'm going to trust in you and trust less in the world around me or me, and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, live in you. But this is where it gets interesting, I think, to me. This is where it gets interesting. So we looked at Sabbath as the first part of this, but we want to look at rest. What in the world does rest have to do with this? Now, yeah, I don't know what you did this week. I, I you know, I, I, yeah, I, I did a whole lot of things, but I might have missed this studying in my, in my part. So, what day was man created on again? I forget. On the sixth day. Okay, okay. So my qu first question is this. How much did man have to do with the creation of the universe. Give me the, the universal uh, sign. I got zero. I got zero. That's right. That's right. Okay. So this is my question to you. Why, do you. why are you letting creation dictate who you are? You had nothing to do with it. It had nothing to do with you. Why are you letting others be your identity? Why are you letting your sexuality be your identity? Why are you letting the created things... Dictate who you are when it should only be one. He who made you, and he did not make a mistake. So that's the first thing. So again, I, I, I didn't do a lot of studying this week. I don't know. What was 
Adam's first full day that he was alive. Seriously? The day of rest. Everything completed. And that's his first day of life. Holy smokes. Does that, I, some things you keep inside, don't say it outside. <laughs> Why is this important? Why is this important? The Sabbath was created in response to what God had completed. He rested not because he needed it, but because it became a picture for us of what we need. Christianity does not begin with doing. It begins with what has been done. I know you're looking at me. I know you are. And you're going, hmm. But you have to understand, Christianity begins in the, in the completion of it. Completion of creation. But now this is, this is really cool. So there's two completed acts that God calls us to rest in. The first is in creation, right? He calls us to Sabbath day. We're doing that right now. We're, we're observing that in the completeness of what he's done. But then there is the completion of redemption. And what new creation, new creation, in what he did in Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, some of you are going, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of, uh, you know, 101 Christianity. Are you kidding me? This is beyond what colleges could teach. Because if you grasp this, not, you know, I'm looking at people and God is giving me pictures in my mind of really tough things you guys have gone through over the last year. Did you find your rest in him when you were going through the turbulence? Do you find your rest in him as you go through the turbulence? Because honestly, all this world has to offer you is unrest, turbulence, difficulty, trouble. I mean, right? Do you feel it? Yes. Yes, you do, and so do I. And that's what the world has to offer us. But he has completed two things. He has completed creation. We can rest in that completed word. He has completed redemption in Jesus Christ. We can rest in that. I, it is finished to tell us that. He said it this morning in his prayer. Absolutely. But isn't it funny that you struggle? No, be honest with me. That you so struggle in the unrest of the identities that try to claim your, your, your name? That try to claim you? Oh, I sinned again. Darn it! I, it's all lost. Oh, God called me to do that. I didn't do it. Ah! Anybody get what I'm talking about? Unrest, turbulence. That is, that is so much of what's going on today. And that... Um, where we get in trouble, where we get in trouble, people of God, is when we, de- when we depend on our unceasing fruitlessness of our own independence from the Creator. That is where we fail. 
God is accomplishing the things in my life that I said last week were too much, not because I'm doing a great job of accomplishing it, but because he promised me, if Wayne, you'll follow me and you will just walk through what I'm calling you to do, I will be your completion. And I get to sit in the seat, the passenger seat, and watch it happen. Not, not, Un, not undoing. I have to be faithful. I've actually, I, I lied to you this morning. I have to confess it. I actually did study for today. Okay, I did. I did. I was just trying to make a point and see you. Thank you. I appreciate the forgiveness. But Genesis 3 is really a picture of a man picking the fruit of his own ability, his own way to de- interpret right and wrong, his own independence from God. And God speaks to it in Hebrews 3 when the chosen people rebelled against him in the desert and he was angry for 40 years in their wandering and their rebellion. He said this, Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perish in the wilderness, and to whom God did swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. What you believe about God is the greatest thing of your heart. Who is He? Who is He in your life? Is He your Lord? Is He your King? Is He the one that's leading every step of your life? This is something we don't think a whole lot about. Our fallen nature is the chief cause of our unrest, restlessness, trouble, disturbance, bickering, confusion, crisis, quarreling, and turbulence. It is our fallen nature. Stop blaming other people. Start look, stop looking to your circumstances. Last week's uh, message from um, Romans 8, the last um, 35 through 30, uh, 39, or excuse me, 31 through 39, told you that no people can come between you the love of God and no circumstances. Stop using those excuses. Stop it. He wants to cripple you with excuses. Take responsibility for your own sinful nature. Fall before him. Acknowledge it. And then stand back up and you keep going. Because greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. And he has given you what you need. Jeremiah 50, 39 says, Yet their Redeemer is strong. The Lord Almighty is his name. He will vigorously defend their cause so that he may bring to rest their land, but unrest to those who live in Babylon. People of God. Somebody needs this word today. You can live in complete rest in the midst of the restlessness that's in your life. If you'll trust him. If you'll follow. You can. In fact, fact, people of God, I think that's the greatest greatest vision of Christianity is in the midst of the the trial hasn't gone away, the temptation is still there, the, the life circumstance is still there, the person at work that's a pain in the donkey is still there, I was going to use King James Version, but I just went for the NIV. So they're all still there, but you can have rest. And that's Christianity. Now, how do I do that? How do I do that? He's, he's given it. 
Psalm 1-1 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner or take, uh, sinner takes or sit in the company of mockers. Sit. What does it mean to sit? This is rest. Sitting is the act of putting your full weight or reliance on something to the point that you place your whole being there, past, present, and future, in total submission and trust on what, light, on what, on, on what you have, what you're sitting in. Oswald Chambers says this, sinful nature calls you to sit in yourself. And, and you know, brother and sister, I know. I know you have been saying, I can only rely on me. I can only trust in me. Everything else in this world is untrustworthy. I just need to depend on big old me. So I'll go and I'll just, I'll just do whatever it takes to, to, um, to live this life. And it is a lie. Oswald Chambers says, self-awareness is the first thing that will upset the completeness of your life in God. Self-awareness continually produces a sense of struggling and turmoil in your life. So... You can't look in the mirror to find your rest. Are you with me? You've been doing it. Yes, you don't, don't, don't you turn your eyes away from me. You have been too. Because I've seen it in my mirror. There's so many times I have depended on myself. And so, that being true, um, did you hear the words I started the service out with? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you but what that takes is you got to seat yourself on him. You have to seat yourself on him. Full dependence, past, present, and future, everything has to be seated on Christ. You say, Andersman, how do I do that? You don't do it. a secret he already did it he did it how do I know that turn with me to Ephesians we're going to look at, the, at, at, at one verse in the first and the second chapter I want you to see it I want your heart to see this I want your heart to see this Ephesians one. Anybody here love the Word of God? No, no. Anybody here love the Word of God? Ah, I love the Word of God. Oh, and He speaks to us personally and to us every day. So my first one is Ephesians 1, verse 20. 1, verse 20. I'll, I'll start with uh, 19b. He's talking about the power um, of the Spirit of God coming on us to open our eyes, to give us hope, to show us the riches of his glorious inheritance. And there is no power. It's incomparable great power. And he says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him. Seated him. Huge. Seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So there it is. Christ completed work. Tetelestai, done on the cross, raised from the dead. 500 people saw him. Goes up to heaven. 
and he's seated at the right hand of God. You may tell me what he's doing there. He's talking about you. I don't know how he does that. I don't know. I don't know how he does that. But he's talking about you. He's got you on his mind. He's seated. Now, let's go forward to 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There it is. No, stop arguing with me. It's already been done. Stop it. Christianity is more about not is less about doing and more about what's been done. Do you know that you also are seated in the heavenly realms? Do you believe that? That's a reality. Not in the future. It's a reality right now. In fact, listen to me. It's been a reality since before the foundations of the earth. Now, that's crazy. Because you're arguing with me. You're saying, well, I'm still, screw, I'm still messing up all the time. Some words I've got to change. They're still messing up all the time. I, there's still times I just don't, I'm not experiencing it. So what is the basis, and this has been such a topic, but it's right here in Scripture, what is the basis for the outpouring of the Spirit on mankind? Look with me, same passage, 13th verse, starting to the 14th. And you, were, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's uh, possession to the praise of his glory and grace. So the guarantee is that I... That I just I, that I work every day and that I do it all right, that's the guarantee. The guarantee, and I don't want to give him by justification, but the guarantee is that I never sin again. The, the the guarantee is that I make sure I go to church every Sunday. The guarantee is the deposit that has been put in your heart on the day you believed. That's the guarantee. Does he live there? Do you, have you come to a place where you know, I know whom I believe in, and I'm convinced that he's able to keep that which I have given to him against that day? Can't say those words without the Spirit witnessing. Uh, Paul told us that, that a person cannot say Jesus is Lord and at the same time curse him. Can't happen. It cannot happen. And so, and so, what does it mean to sit down? It means that I receive that Jesus sat and that I sit. And it's right now. The basis of the outpouring of the Spirit is, is, the, is, is the guarantee that the Spirit witnesses, lives within me, in my heart. And it's at the hearing and the acceptance of the truth of Jesus Christ. 
So how do I become a member of Christ? By his effort only. In that same verse, same chapter, the fourth verse, it says this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. John 15 says this. Olympia, you did not choose me. I chose you. And I chose you for one thing, to produce fruit. Your life purpose now is completely different than what it was. It's to produce the fruit of Jesus Christ in the world. The church has forgotten that. I'm sorry, the fruit is not your retirement. It's not. It's not even primarily your job. It's to produce fruit for Christ. That's what you're called for. In your jobs, in your life, everywhere you are, producing fruit, shining the light of Jesus Christ to people. And you become a member because he chose you. So if it's true that he chose me, then how can we know present deliverance from sin? And this is huge because I know there are people in this room that are struggling with sin, including myself. Amen? Amen. How do I know? Romans 6 tells us this, that we have been baptized under Jesus Christ. We were baptized under his death. And so we're baptized, um, and we're also baptized under his, and, and we're, we're raised from the dead with Jesus, that we may too live a new life. Listen, Jesus was crucified outside of Jerusalem. That's very important because what does that, what does that signify? It signifies that Jesus was, was crucified outside man's construct of religion. There's no religious bars that hold this together. It is absolutely unparalleled in its effect and unparalleled in what it has done across all denominations, that's why I think that it's time to, to drop the denominational walls and it's just starting to, we need to accept and love one another and we need to walk together. The, the devil has used religion construct to separate us and it's time for it to stop because we are greater together than we are apart. And so if you are Catholic, Lutheran, Baptist, Pentecostal, um, uh, Reformed, Christian reform. It, if you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're my brother and my sister. Done! And what holds us at the cross is more important than any preferential doctrine that we've accepted. I'm not going to say your doctrine is right or wrong. Except if it doesn't center on Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that one. So, we can know our present deliverance because we have been baptized unto his death, raised unto his life, and we can live a brand new life. The historical truth of Jesus' cross became ours. God, who is sovereign over all history and time, connects his son's death with our life. We who are born spiritually dead are supernaturally born again and live as new creations. That's how we can know. That's how we can know we're being delivered. It's sometimes God doesn't take everything right away because he wants you to remember to be dependent on him. I need that. I need that. So how can I be sure that Christ is in me? 
2 Corinthians 1.21, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. God gave me this illustration. Sue makes a mean apple pie. Just ask her. Just ask her. She makes a mean apple pie. She will boast and say, I probably make some of the best apple pie there is. But this is the question that I have. Who made the apples? Who made the apples? God did. Yeah. Now, now Sue will, she'll, confer, she'll, she'll say, okay, I agree with that. God made the apples, but I'm the one who made the scratch. Or the, she says she makes dough by scratch. I, I don't know what the scratch is, but, but, but so she, from scratch. Yes, from scratch. Yes. <laughs> I think I got an itch. But, but who made the ingredients of the dough? God did. All right? So it's wrong to say that Sue had no part in the making of the pie. But what is right is the fact that in partnership with God, in regards to what he already completed in creation, she was able to bring forth a pie. Our deliverance from sin is first the action in our hearts resting on what God has done in redemption through Christ. And then to respond to that completion by saying no to sin. I can say no to sin because of Christ. Not because of my striving. Because of Christ. Ryan sang the song, and I just loved it. The first line was this, My son, my son, why are you striving? You can't add one thing to what's been done for you. I did it all the while I was dying. I, don't you love that line? God is so strong that while Jesus was dying, there was more power there than in our life. What? Yes. Yes. I did it all while I was dying. Rest in your faith. My peace will come to you. You see, here's the point. God is waiting for you to stop striving. Thinking that somehow you can get this right. He's waiting for you to rest in the completion of his creation and redemption. He created you. He's recreated you. And he loves you. And so, here's the illustration. How do you save a drowning man? In the 1990s, my father took our children to Ottawa Beach Park to go camping. They were walking out on a very windy day out on the uh, pier. <laughs> the, the pier? Ah, okay. Walking out on the pier, and all of a sudden, they all noticed that there were two young ladies in the water that were struggling to the point of drowning. One was being rescued by somebody who grabbed a hold of, in the pier and was pulling her up, but the other one was being battered by the waves. And so my dad, who was 200-plus pounds, one of the strongest men I've ever known in my life, dove in, because he's my hero too, dove in and went to save this little girl who was 80 pounds wet. As soon as he got to her, 
she climbed up on top of his head and took both of them down. And my dad would have drowned unless the providence of God. For a wave came and hit the both of them, and he found a buoy and wrapped his arms around it and got a moment to breathe. But then another wave came and took him off the buoy, and down he went again. And he said, son, I thought my life was over with. And all of a sudden, his knees hit a sandbar. And so he, struggling, got up on his feet and began to walk on the sandbar. Well, guess where the little 80-pound girl was still located? Wrapped around his neck, and she wouldn't let, he, let go of me, let, I, no. She wouldn't do it. And so my dad, the strongest man that I've ever known in my life, fell on the shoreline, totally exhausted, totally exhausted. Fear prevents a drowning person from entrusting themselves to you. So, if you become a lifeguard, let's say uh, Leon wants to become a lifeguard tomorrow. They're going to teach you two things of how to save a drowning person. One is that you knock them unconscious. As hard as you can, Nose have been broken because of this act. It's violent and it's real. But the only way to bring a person your size to safety is to knock them unconscious or, or wait until they totally are exhausted of energy and they have no strength. And then you can drag them in. And there's a certain way that you do it. You, you'd never touch them. They actually hold on to a, onto a lifesaver and you drag them in. Only two ways that are taught. You know where I'm going with this? For some of you, God has punched you. Has knocked you senseless in some event in your life. And he said, wake up. I want to save you. I hear amen in Spanish. What would it be? Oh. Well, that's anticlimactic. <laughs> but that, that, isn't that true? Anybody in this room have absolute situations you can go back to and say, man, that happened in my life, and I mean, he just knocked, yeah, 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 even now, right? yeah. Yes, yeah, and sometimes it breaks bones and sometimes it causes harm. But ultimately, he wants to save you because you're drowning. But, but this is the other place. There's some of us in this room that he's still waiting for you to become totally exhausted in your own efforts. And he's patient. I know it feels like drowning. I know that you feel like you're going under and you're not sure if you have breath left. I get that. But he's patient because he's waiting for you. You understand that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is about the independence and the trusting in my own understanding of truth 
He's waiting for you to stop it and to fully rely on yourself. And I'm feeling in my spirit today that someone in this room needs to repent of that now because it's not going in a good direction. You still have a little strength and he's still waiting. And for some of you, listen to me, some of you, you're feeling as though I'm not sure this Christianity is working for me. I actually had a man say that to me. Um, he's, he's, he's no longer uh, worshiping with us, but he said to me, he said, he said, I'm coming to this church. This is the last place. He says, if, if it don't work here, it probably is never going to work for me. And the main reason why is because he's been trying to strive for his, the faith himself instead of resting in Jesus, in the completed work. And so as as we conclude this time together, has something spoken to your heart from God's word? Are you in a place that, um, that you also need a Sabbath rest? Have you been rebelling against God and the restlessness of your own, your own sinful nature has been taking you away from him? And you've been, um, like my sister said, Jody, she said that um, uh, Albuquerque, where Sue and I are going to go by, it, uh, was, a, was bringing uh, a 40-year restless struggle of her life, right, Jody? And that you found that resting in the completed work of Christ was where you needed to be. That's why you're worshiping Jesus today, isn't it, sis? Amen. And a mother that prayed for those 40 years that she'd come. If God has punched you in the face and knocked you senseless and you haven't come to the place of resting in Christ, do that today. If you're still striving on your own strength because you have some religious construct that says, I got to do it myself, stop it. Turn to Him. Tell Him that you need a Sabbath rest. Take some time away with God. Take some time. I'm talking about a vacation. I'm talking about taking time with the Lord and just resting in Him. Some Sabbath rest. As soon as I need it. And as God leads this church to Sabbath rest, I want you over the next four weeks to seriously consider, five weeks because I'm here next week too, but seriously, and we're going we're gonna to go on. I'm, next week, I'm giving you a picture of what I'm talking about. I'm, I want to give you an Old Testament biblical picture of what it looked like for a man to, um, to, to walk in Sabbath rest with his God, and then depression and uh, discouragement and division and, um, um, and danger of death took him off into a, into a world where he, he went away from his Sabbath rest for a while. And, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But um, people of God, Sabbath rest is coming for the pure. The Spirit of God wants us to live in Sabbath rest, completely dependent and trusting in the completed work of God's redemptive work in Jesus Christ. You do that, he will work on your marriage, he will work on your sin, he will work on, on whatever you're facing that's causing you unrest. He will do it. He will do it. Trust him. Follow him. Stand with me as we pray.
pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just praise you for this time, and Lord, um, I thank you for uh, the tentativeness of these people and the willingness for them to listen, and I pray receive in your heart your word, and that, Lord, that you will move in a mighty way from the weakest among us to the strongest among us. May we realize that our true strength resides in you. Father, I just, I just pray uh, for each of us here today. And I'm believing you uh, for a Sabbath rest for all of us. And I'm believing for a renewal and a time that, Father, you're going to do unprecedented things amongst us. And you're preparing our hearts. So, Heavenly Father, let it be according to your will, whatever you have planned. And start with me. Uh, for, Father, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.